Welcome to Triple Threat, the podcast with Jamel President, where it's good news and good vibes all the time, baby. When we left Portugal to come play with you and your system, Jamel, it was the best thing for Shane because you 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 pushed him to do other things outside his box. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month. Hey, what's up, guys? Coming up next, we got Sam Clements from Doors of Dream. In our interview, we talk about uh, how important social competency is, how important that life lesson teaches us um, how important the community is and then how he transitioned from um, wanting to be in medicine to working in the community. A great conversation. All right, let's get into the interview. So again, thanks for coming on the Triple Threat podcast. And, you know, what we do um, on this podcast, Sam, is try to educate families and communities on just student-athlete interests. We also talk about social competency and public safety and also highlighting, you know, great work, great organizations and, and, and um and people like you as well. So thanks for being a, a part of Triple Bear Podcast. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. It's uh I was so so excited to get the invite and and really pumped about our conversation. Yes sir, yes sir. So um what we do saying right to get into it um you know give us a little a little feedback on on your background. You know, talking to our guests, whether you play sports or even have a career in sports, everybody kind of started off in the rec department around their playgrounds and homes. And, and they also was influenced by somebody, either dad, mom, a community member you know, in the community. Take us back and, and, and tell us, you know, the little Sam coming up and, and kind of how things got kind of shaped for you starting out. Yeah, Little Sam was obsessed with sports. I I got my hands on anything and everything that I could, you know, get a hold of. So from the age of three or four, whenever I could start actively like running around, I was on soccer teams, baseball teams, uh, basketball teams, you know, all those typical sports that, you know, uh, I was fortunate enough to play. And then if I wasn't in an organized game, you bet you best believe that we were going to be in someone's front yard or backyard having a home run derby or having a touch football game that always ended up being a tackle football game. Um, They were sports growing up really formed a lot of my identity. I think it taught me a lot of uh, the work ethic that I have now. I think the important thing about sports growing up is sometimes you, you have the opportunity from an early age to learn what not to do sometimes. So when I was six, I always remember I got really upset with one of my teammates and I like I made sure that he knew that in a way that he did not appreciate. And that was a very quick moment for me to understand, hey, if you're going to be a leader on this team, if you're going to be a leader in this world, you have to make sure that you're more careful with your words and your tone. So all of those little minute lessons um, growing up, you know, kind of really shaped me into who I am today. In high school, I dropped basketball. Um, I unfortunately was not good enough to quite make those teams, but football and baseball, I continue to play and, um, you know, have some of the most 
rewarding and rich friendships because of them and some of the some experiences that I'll absolutely never forget no matter what my age might be um didn't quite make the jump to the college level but still keep up with pretty much anything and everything today awesome and um you know in 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 talking about that were some were there any community members any coaches anything that that were influential into into your experiences about in sports oh absolutely um i would probably say so growing up uh, as a little one, uh, my 11th and 12th grade or 12, 11th and 12 year old year in Little League, I had uh, Coach Lindsey, who was a really big influence. You know, he was my buddy's dad, but still, like he was a very busy person, and he still took a lot of time out of his day to make sure that we were prepared and uh, loved on us, and made sure that we, you know, had everything that we needed. And then once we got into the middle school and high school levels, and you know, things started to ramp up a little bit competitively. Uh, coach Kane was my high school baseball coach who um, gave me an opportunity to play on the varsity team my freshman year, which was, you know, a huge opportunity for me. Sure. And he saw something to me that I, you know, a lot of people did not see um, for a little 14 year old and uh, gave me a shot. And so I'll always be appreciative of him and his, and his kind words and the talks that we've had, but, you know, every coach leaves a little bit of an end impact on you and you know I there's a ton of them out there that I've missed um but those were two of the ones um that really made an impact on me growing up awesome and um also in your bio I saw that you went to UNC Chapel Hill um degrees in um, biology and chemistry um why did you choose UNC and I asked that question because again talking to athletes talking to people in general you know most kids families kind of choose an institution based on what's they're familiar with, what's easy to them. Um, and what were your, your leads into, into choosing the UNC and what other options did you have? So, like I said earlier, uh, I, my athletic ability did not take me to the university of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. Uh, unfortunately, how cool would that have been? But I grew up in Athens, Georgia, which in of itself is a college town. And um, I, so I grew up, you know, going to all the Georgia football games, baseball games, basketball games, you know, diehard fan. And um, my parents were, they of course would have loved for me to go and stay close, but they really pushed me to kind of look outward and explore what my options might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I applied to a bunch of schools in the Southeast, um, was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to, to make a really hard decision uh, between Virginia and Chapel Hill as, as my top. Um, Chapel Hill just felt like home. Uh, they obviously have an amazing athletics department and right. some of the best, you know, role model coaches there with Roy Williams and Mac Brown and now Hubert Davis. Uh, so I, I was really drawn to the academics of the school, really drawn to the uh, athletic program. And, you know, I won't lie. That was, a, that was a pretty big part of it. And, and it felt very much like home, right? You said that we picked something that feels familiar to us. And it felt like Athens. It felt like Georgia, just on a little bit of a smaller scale. And so that familiarity really, you know, kind of gave Chapel Hill the lean. And, and I was fortunate enough to be able to attend one of the one of the great schools in the southeast. Um, when we talk about, you know, communities or even organizations that help shape us, you know, coming up in our career, 
in your in our in your bio bio you uh mentioned Teach for America. Um mm-hmm. explain that organization and, and why do you think it was helpful for um your insight in, in what you're doing right now? Yeah, so um to go a little farther back, I was a biology and a chemistry major, right? So I had my eyes set on uh being a doctor and um following in my dad's footsteps, which I was so excited about. And in my senior year, I, I went to and counselored at a camp called Camp Chile, and it really shifted my focus away from medicine and more towards youth development. Uh, I felt like I could make a little bit more of an impact in that field, and I think I really had a knack for it. Um, that and I didn't have to go to school for eight more years, which kind of helped. <laughs> so uh, once I kind of set my sights on that youth development, that education route, um, Teach for America was a great opportunity because I didn't have a teaching background in college. And so that alternative route of getting that degree uh, and getting that certification was you know, huge for me. And so TFA is an awesome organization and it, it molded me in more ways than one into who I am today. And, um, they, they place people into some of the title one schools in, in the most needy areas. Right. And so, uh, I was, I had the, the pleasure of teaching at Valor Collegiate Academies, which is a, uh, wonderful charter school in Southeast Nashville. And, um, Got to teach eighth grade science, which if you had asked me that 20 years ago, Sam, do you think you'll be teaching eighth grade science? I would have told you absolutely not. <laughs> um, but it was an amazing experience. I learned a lot. I learned how to fail. I learned how to get up, dust myself off, keep going and kind of building on a lot of those lessons that I learned in sports growing up. So TFA was a really great stepping stone for me into the professional world um, and into the world of education and nonprofits that that I'm currently in. And this time out message, we got Chris Evans. You know, I was I was a shooter and I really couldn't get by. I could handle it, but I not like you. I couldn't get by people right. wasn't quick enough. And uh, so that changed the the arc of my career there. And um, and, I, and I just kept playing. Some of us, Mel, uh, especially you know people with <laughs> slow, weak people like me, uh, we end up coming into our own a little bit by the time we're 22, 23, mm. 24, it's almost mm. after college. Mm. And, uh, and that's kind of when, when I hit the, the apex of, of my talent, I think. And I ended up going over to Ireland and playing two seasons in Ireland and, uh, and putting up 50 some games. Mm. <laughs> now let's get back to the interview. You see, you spent two years in Tennessee teaching, and I know you do a lot of work here with the local schools as well. When is there a difference in the approach in the education in Tennessee versus South Carolina? Do you see any any difference Uh, there? So the school that I was in, um, Valor Collegiate Academies, was a charter school. So it was it was very much a different approach to the schools that I'm currently working in now, which are more traditional public schools. Right. And I uh, I say that because there was a lot. It was very, very structured. Um, it, there was it was a lot of work on the teacher's part and the student's part and the admin's part, uh, but it worked really, really well at uh, at Valor Collegiate Academies. I think they're one of the highest performing public schools in the state. 
Um, so it was a very different model for sure, uh, than what I am currently working in now as, as the, you know, more traditional public schools. Right. And your, um, journey to Charleston, was it because of Doors of Dream? So, uh, funny enough, so TFA is a two year program. And so once my two years were up and my commitment was, you know, all fulfilled, uh, my now wife was living here in Charleston, uh, working for a local magazine. So we had done long distance for a little while and, um, it was time to, you know, make a move. And so I decided since my, it was more of a natural time for me to move, I kind of popped over here and, uh, found Doors to Dream, immediately applied, got an interview two days later and, Got it, the job a few days after that. So it was all a very quick process, but I can't imagine a better landing spot for me than the, the organization I'm currently in now with Doors to Dream. And, um, since we, you, we can segue into that, tell us a little bit more about that and, and what kind of they're about and what you do for them. Yeah. So Doors to Dream, we're a, we're a very small nonprofit. We're a mighty team of two. And we work with them continuously from sixth grade all the, up until they graduate from high school. So we're allowed seven years with these students. And we, our end goal is to have all of our students graduate with the skills, confidence, and opportunities to succeed, to chase their dreams, hence the, you know, somewhat corny name. <laughs> but uh, in the middle schools, we focus a lot on social emotional learning and leadership development. You, you can't lead until you know who you are. You can't lead until you know how to handle yourself among your peers. And we really strive to make sure that that confidence level, that maturity, the curiosity, the kindness, and all those other kind of intangibles are are built up. So when they get to high school, uh, we can kind of get to our bread and butter, which is a service learning program with our high schoolers. In this program, we have students pick the community needs that they think are the most pressing or the most uh, it needs the most attention in their own communities, whether that's their schools, their neighborhoods, their cities. We don't drive the car. We give them the keys and let them decide, you know, where do we want to be? Who do we want to help? What do we want to do? And through that, teach the personal and the professional skills that they need um, once they graduate. So think about making a professional phone call, creating a budget, uh, going through the nitty gritty of a plan and coming up with a backup plan and uh, you know, what could go wrong and risk management and all of those kind of 21st century job competencies we teach through service. So not only are kids, you know, benefit from this professional, from this experience, but the community benefits in the, in the same right, right? So kids are built up, the community's built up, and it's a really cool one-two uh, punch right there. To So everyone wins and, um, and the kids get to feel confident and, and it's a really, really cool program. And I love it when the kids realize what they're capable of and you see a little light switch go on mm-hmm. and you get to see like, oh, I made this impact. I did this. You know, I I fed those people today or, oh, I changed that third grader's life when we found a book that he really loved and connected to. So uh, it's a it's a long term process. It's a long term plan, but we've seen some amazing results and some uh, tremendous growth among our students as, you know, we kind of work through the the difficulties of middle school and into the challenges of high school and, and, and beyond from there. Yeah, good, good point. And um, I'll come back to those dream, but I want to read a quote from your bio. It said, a perfect opportunity to continue my newfound passion of children development and social justice. I steadfastly believe in the power 
of service to teach both professional and social emotional skills. And my question to you is, why is community service so important to you, right? Because here we talked about being in chemistry and um, all in medicine, all of a sudden you switch your focus. Like what what kind of triggered that? Was it the uh, Teach for America? Was it sports early on? Why is that important to you? You know, I I, I can point to a few key moments, um, one being uh, a kid named Manny from South Chicago who went to the camp that I counselored at, and he um, he was on scholarship at a, you know, what is normally a pretty wealthy white camp, um, and he was there for one summer, and he gave everything he got, and he took advantage of every opportunity, and you know, we would go on a nine mile hike and he'd be huffing and puffing in the back because the altitude was getting to him, but he didn't care. He didn't want to take breaks. He wanted to finish and, and he just felt so proud of himself all summer long. And at the end of the summer, uh, all the kids get to vote on the, the kid, or their peers, who's going to come back as a counselor in training. And it's a very prestigious honor. And Manny was there for three weeks. It made such an impact on his fellow, you know, campers that they voted him to come back and, and be a counselor in training. And it just really dawned on me that, you know, kids just need someone to believe in them and an opportunity to succeed. And if we give them those two things, then a lot of good things can happen. And that kind of sparked my interest into the youth development. And, you know, that's not to say that TFA played a huge role because it kind of taught me how to do it. And mm. I think growing up in the sports world and, and growing up in, you know, in my community really helped build the foundation that allowed for me to have those realizations and allowed me to be at the point where I am today. So it, it all kind of worked together to get me involved with this, with this work and with this organization and, you know, I think community service is the most important thing that we can do as humans and uh, helping out each other and building each other up. And we're all in it together. And, you know, we, we got to help, you know, anyone who's fallen down, let's help them up and keep them going. Just like we helped Manny get up on that nine mile hike. And he might have fallen in the snow a few times, but dang it, did he not get up and keep moving? So um, it all kind of came together for me and, and culminated in, in what I'm currently working with and with Doors to Dream. In this time out message, we got Jamie Jenkins. And so you know what? You'll you'll find this you'll find this uh uh you'll you'll laugh at this. Just you know, I and I, I know I'm a lot like you in that we're basketball heads, man. Like for sure. even though I'm removed from playing my playing days, I'm a basketball guy. For sure. And so when I was playing, imagine how much of a basketball head, like you're just, you're reading, trying to figure out who's mm. who I'm in this new city. Mm. I don't know any, I don't know high school players. I don't know other mm. players. You know, I'm just, and I remember being in ROTC air force ROTC one day. And in fact, they gave a, there was an update on Jamel president in the post and courier about your recruitment. I think Wyoming, did you commit right. to Wyoming? Wyoming and, and Clemson. I remember the commitment, Wyoming to Wyoming. And Clemson. I read the commitment to Wyoming. And then I think I saw something happen. And then you ended up in the college of Charleston. Like all of this stuff, man. Just me trying to formulate who's, what's the pecking order? For who's sure. who? For sure. You For know, sure. who am I going to have to play against? Who Who's from this city that I need to know? All of those sure. things, man.
Now let's get back to the interview. And you talked about the keys to unlocking uh, doors to success. Can you talk about those keys briefly? Um, I saw I read some just knowing themselves, um, empathize, uh, take responsibility for yourself and self-management skills. What a, and, and collectively, what does all that mean? And how does do, the doors to dreams approach that with the students? Yeah. So one of our biggest, or I will say two of our biggest things that we try to instill in our students are uh, a sense of confidence and a sense of self-awareness, right? So you got to know who you are and, and believe in who you are. Because if you don't believe in yourself, no one's ever going to believe in you. Uh, And we also uh, are really, really pushing towards uh, that accountability piece where, you know, you you can say you can believe in who you want or believe in who you are, excuse me. And you can, you know, have all the rah-rah that you can. But if you don't follow through with what you say you're going to do, you're never you're not going to be able to take that next step. So we really try to focus on the accountability and, and the confidence piece. Cause if you have those two things, if you're reliable and you believe in yourself, then, you know, the sky's the limit on what you're able to accomplish. So we do that th- mainly through our service learning, right? So we build them up. We, we, we build them up in the confidence in the middle school and then we keep them accountable in the high school. Because I think that's, you know, when you're in middle school, you're going through all sorts of stuff. And you need to have as much confidence as you can just to simply survive sometimes. And then in the high school, that's when things get a little bit more real. Uh, your grades matter. Your decisions matter a little bit more than they do in middle school. Things get, you know, a little bit more high stakes. And so that's where the accountability piece really comes in with our service learning. And I think service is perfect to teach accountability because it's not just what you get on a test, right? Like you can brush off a D on a test fairly easily. But it's a lot harder to brush off like I didn't do my role in this project. And now, you know, 40 people that we were going to help aren't going to be helped. Right. So it becomes a little bit more real world, which I think is really important for these kids to realize and our students to realize is, you know, once you graduate from high school, like you got to you got to follow through with what you got, uh, what you say you're going to do, because, you know, it matters. And we try to teach that through service. Now, before we get to the ripple, I want to ask a question just to get your take on it. Um, yeah. Because some of the things you talked about is competencies, right? And one of our program that we just, you know, introduced is our social competency program, right? So you got four different parts of competency. You got emotional, behavioral, um, uh, cognitive, and social, right? So the social piece of it is kind of think conducive to all levels and what we're talking about right now is social competency at its best right and i watched a video um on youtube which you was at north charleston high you didn't shoot the basketball at one time i would look to see that shot but i didn't i didn't see one but you're talking about you know diversity and helping certain title one kids in, in, in title one schools that don't look like 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 us uh you per se right but your 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 posture and environment is so comfortable right that's a mm-hmm. competency that's i would say it's a learned behavior through experience right because when you walk in there you don't look like them but then your confidence mm-hmm. and your approach draws them in right and i, I think that's very unique 
what is social competency to you? And then what, how are you, how do you think your relatability has allowed you to, you know, be effective in those different type of communities? Yeah. Um, so I, I would say this one, kind of like what I was discussing earlier, I, you need to be confident in who you are and you got to be very okay with who you are and, and being your true self, right? Because if you're inauthentic, people are going to be able to sniff it out very, very quickly. And so I'm, I can't walk into a school that we work with where, you know, the students don't necessarily look like me and act anything but myself because they'll be like, they'll call it out from a mile away. I think the second thing that uh, is important is understanding what your environment is, right? Like I understand that when I walk into Burke or North Charleston high school, that I will be in the minority. And I understand that. And I try to respect all that the experience, all the experiences that are in that building, right? Their experience is very different than mine. And I have to be aware of that. And I have to understand that and, and be okay with it. Uh, and then I think there's also just a, a, a practice to it too, you know, and I think that's why we try to meet with our kids as often as we can, because, you know, I've been doing this for the past 10 years, right? So they, they need as many reps as you can. It took me a while to feel comfortable in front of a group of middle school and high school kids. And it can be intimidating. Let me tell you, my first year of teaching, I didn't realize it was, it was possible to be, you know, that ganged up on by a group of middle school kids, but it happened. And it's all, it was all because I just didn't have the practice. So mm-hmm. once you learn who you are um, and being okay with that, understanding what environment you're in and then having the practice with those two together uh, can lead to really some, some cool, uh, cool outcomes and experiences that I've been fortunate enough to, to have over the past few years. And and that's why we, we driving to stay home off social competency, right? Cause what you just said, you had to be competent in that environment, right? You wasn't born to adapt in that. It was like you said, practice and experience, reading different relationships, understanding the room, right? Those things are very important. And uh, big ups to you for having that skill set and 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 um just having that experience in order to deliver that message. That's that's huge. And in closing, let's talk about the ripple right quick because um like I Thank said you, like I said before, um it's so um. You know, I'm talking to someone. I'm like, hey, man, I'm going to my office on East Bay Street. So it's so attractive to to say that. So I appreciate, you know, you for running that organization and um, tell the audience about the Ripple and um, which was kind of their your, your main mission for the community and nonprofits. Yeah, so my my day job is running Doors to Dream. My my side gig is kind of running Ripple, which is an amazing workspace for uh you know, smaller nonprofits with smaller staff that rent is a really, you know, big overhead that's a lot of us cannot simply afford and do the good work that we're trying to do. So the I couldn't tell you the mission right off the bat, but the essence is that we nurture Ripple nurtures nonprofits and we nurture nonprofits so they can go out into the world and spread the ripple, spread the ripple of good works, good news, all of that good stuff. Uh and it's a really, really awesome opportunity for nonprofits in the Charleston community, because not only does it give you a place where you can work and the AC is nice and they have good coffee and there's some sparkling waters in the fridge, 
but it allows us to really work with each other and collaborate. Charleston has so many nonprofits and if we all banded together, it would, you know, we'd be able to move some mountains and the ripple just is, is beginning to do that where you're starting to see these, these nonprofits kind of cross pollinate and, and come up with a really cool product for kids. We've partnered with a few of them already. And, you know, some of the girls groups in the, in the nonprofit have been able to go out and surfing with ways for women, or we had a group of our senior girls at Brook high school mentor some fifth graders at Mitchell with Charleston hope. So those opportunities to, to kind of collaborate and come together has been really, really awesome and really, really wonderful. And um, I think it's going to lead to a better Charleston, um, especially because, you know, in the education space, which is my, you know, my world, I know that I have this group of fifth graders that I got five years of amazing mentorship at Mitchell Elementary School, and they're going to go to Simmons Pinkney, where we'll have them for three years, and they'll go to Burke, which where we'll be there for four years. And so that continuum of mentorship, that continuum of care uh, is, you know, could be really, really great for a student who may not feel as you know, confident in who she is or who he is and having that consistent positive influence is really great. And so the ripple is there for nonprofits to use um, however they like to use it. And we're hoping to offer some more opportunities for one-on-ones with experts in the grant writing, fundraising, legal fields, et cetera, so that we can continue to grow and continue to learn and um, all work together towards this vision of Charleston that we have. Awesome, awesome. He made a name for himself as a star for the College of Charleston basketball teams in the mid to late 90s. And now, Jermell President is doing what he can to make sure that the Charleston area kids have a chance to succeed on the court and in life. So I want to, you know, give some of that back to the community as well. Um, After college and after playing professionally, uh, I started the Day Foundation just to to be that wealth of knowledge to the kids in the community and, and parents as well. College of Charleston Hall of Famer Jamel President said he saw a need for this while he was in school. So he founded the nonprofit Day Foundation. And his philosophy for success is based on what he calls his oatmeal recipe. Let's go and finish together. Basically, teaches the game of basketball, focusing on skills, development, nutrition, and education. Not only SAT, ACT type stuff, but education for parents in how to navigate through the different levels of athletics. And, and in closing, we um we had a program called the Oatmeal Recipe. And Oatmeal Recipe consists of three ingredients. It's uh, nutrition, education slash social competency, and uh, skill development. But those three ingredients is not just for student athletes or athletes. They go across the board with careers and professionals. So I want to call out those ingredients, and I want you to tell me how important those ingredients are to you. Let's start off with... uh education, education slash social competency, which we kind of covered earlier, but how was that important to you and what you do in your everyday life? I mean, education is, I mean, it's going to sound cliche, but it, it really is everything. If you, if you can turn yourself into a lifelong learner, or if we can get students to, to really buy into being lifetime, lifelong learners, excuse me, I, you know, the sky's the limit. Because while your IQ is important and being able to know your field and know it well and be a master of your craft is important, 
If you don't have the social competencies and the EQ, then you know you're lacking in a huge department. So finding that balance between your you know your knowledge base and then your also your social emotional learning capacity is is you know that that's everything, right? Like that that can lead you to anything you want to do. Um, I I think they're both incredibly important. Um, and they go hand in hand, and it's easy to forget one when you're focusing on the other. But yeah, if you don't have both of them, or or you're lacking in a little bit in one, then it's important to kind of build that back up because that that'll take you places. For sure. Uh, the second one is um, nutrition. Um, you know, we're talking about athletes and eating properly because of you know they got to play in the muscles, but we're at professor, we don't play anymore, but nutrition still is important. How, how is that important to you and how do you apply it to your everyday life? Yeah, uh, nutrition is, you know, as we, as we get older, um, you know, in my later 20s now, I, I am starting to realize that I cannot get away with eating the same way that I did when, when I was 18, 19, 20, 21. So nutrition has been a newfound love of mine. Uh, I've always loved to cook. It's one of my favorite things to do. And so finding those new, good, healthy recipes that, you know, are really tasty, but also very exciting is, you know, it's been a newfound love in my, um, as I start to, you know, my metabolism starts to slow down a little bit. So uh, it's, yeah, nutrition is, it's, it's becoming way more focused, that's for sure. But, you know, the, I think the act of cooking is, is such a, um, it's such an important thing in my life and it allows me to kind of disconnect and really kind of get in my zone. Um, and so nutrition has become you know, a little newfound passion of mine over the past few years. And believe it or not, I'm, I'm a great cook and I, and I agree with you. It's so therapeutic, right? Mm-hmm. It's so therapeutic. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. You, you have, have a bad more- day, you come home and you julian some peppers, all oh, that, whatever <laughs> you were thinking about earlier doesn't matter anymore. Exactly. Uh, the last one is, uh, skill development and again in sports you know which uh particularly basketball with dribbling shooting passing that's a skill development you have to develop and maintain <clears throat> what's the skill development in a professional life that's important to you that you find that's and that's been in, um that helped you out in your career yeah so i i think this kind of ties back to that lifelong learner piece right so i I took on this role as executive director of Doors to Dream uh, last April, and it's been a huge learning curve, right? Because I'm a teacher, right? That's where my heart is. I'm good in the classroom. I can work with students really well. I can get us to the outcomes we need to get to. But there's a whole nother world of the executive directorship, as you know, that takes a lot of getting used to and learning. It's like running a small business a little bit. Um, and that has been a really, really big challenge for me over the past year and a half as, you know, we try to finalize and figure out our programs, but also making sure we're keeping this whole thing afloat and the lights on and all that good stuff. So, um, skill development has been really large for me over the past year and a half because it's, it's been a requirement, right? Like, um, you, you have to kind of go search out what you don't know and then figure out how to, you know, learn it, right? And so, uh, skill development has been, an ever going process, uh, in, in my professional life. And, uh, you know, I kind of have a goal of mine every single month to, to learn something or gain a skill, right? I know they supposed to, you're supposed to learn something new every day, which I still do. But from a professional standpoint, if I can get a little bit better at grant writing every single month, uh, from one seminar I did or an article that I read or, 
you know, working with someone in the Ripple who's an expert in the field, you know, that's that's a win for me. And it's all about the growth mindset, not the, you know, achievement mindset, right? Sure. In skill development, we we teach this with our kids to our students. You know, we we want to reward them not for getting an A on the test, but for the work that they put in to get the A on the test right. or the B on the test or whatever it might be, because that's what's important, right? And of course, we want our kids to be on grade level and get good grades. But there's, it's the growth mindset that will lead to the best outcomes. And so I try to, you know, I tell our kids all the time that you need to have a growth mindset. So I would be a little hypocritical on my end if I wasn't actively working on it as well. It's, it's, a, it's the journey. It's all about the journey, not the destination. That's more important. Amen. Well, Sammy, man, I appreciate you. And again, thank you for all you do with Doors of Dream and the Ripple. And, you know, we're enjoying the space and, and, and just loving the atmosphere and all the great things you guys are doing. So again, we appreciate you so much. Well, thank you so much. Uh, you, you know, you've been an amazing addition. Your energy, your positivity, you know, brings a whole lot to the space. And I uh, thank you for what you do. I've told you before, I think that what you're doing is genius and I'm, I'm excited to see where you take off from here. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right. Appreciate you. So there it goes, guys. Another one in the books. I want to thank Sam for coming on and giving us his wealth of knowledge about organizations, about um, ways to incorporate um, your interests and dreams in communities. We're, we appreciate him, all he done is doing for the Charleston community, as well as the Ripple, a great space where they have for nonprofits to expand. All right. Appreciate you for engaging. Appreciate you for following and listening. We'll be right back. What Jermel is doing with Today Foundation and the approach he's taking to help develop young athletes, first of all, getting them prepared from the academic standpoint, which, as you know as well as I do, Bobby, that's the most important element to try to get them to eat healthy, to be able to train properly, to get the proper education, and then hopefully for those who are talented enough to have a chance to move on to perhaps even get a free education by going off to college. But I love what Jermel is doing. It's a wonderful program. Hopefully more people in the community will get behind it and some of the businesses involved as well to help sponsor this program because these are the kind of things that every community needs, looking out for the best interest of the youth. The future of this country is in our youth, and everything that we can do to help prepare them better for that is absolutely wonderful, and, and I can't express adequately enough my admiration and respect for what Jermel is doing and hopefully he'll get a lot of help from a lot of people you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Jamel President and on Twitter at President Jamel make sure to subscribe to this podcast as I'll be bringing you a new interview every month